What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be answering a couple of your Monday mailbag questions, getting into a little Masters Roundup, talking about the NFL offseason and some recent updates in Major League Baseball and the NBA. Episode 39 coming at you right now. Once again, I am Landon Pangburn along with my brother and co-host Preston Pangburn. While you're finding your precious notes in your computer, I'm currently wondering when uh, Ethereum is going to reach $100,000 per, per, per ether. So <laughs> we're going to get there soon. And uh, if we do get to $100,000 on Ethereum, we're probably not going to be on this podcast. Or maybe we'll be on it more. Maybe we'll be on it twice as much. Yeah, so maybe we'll, we'll have a couple billboards around town and be able to do some effective advertising at that point. Let's go. <laughs> How much money do you have in this thing? You, you can't stop talking about it, so you've got to be pretty levered. I, I have a substantial <laughs> amount of money in this thing. How, what percentage of your net worth? 99 <laughs> Seventy-five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, best of luck to you. Thanks, bro. All right. Well, we have a big had a big sports weekend this past weekend with the Masters and I mean NBA and baseball going on. Things happening in the NFL offseason. So, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Had a wonderful Masters weekend, despite none of our teams really being competitive in the big Masters pool we did. But it was a nice, relaxing Sunday. We went over to Ruffings and Marietta, met his new baby, baby Brody. Let's go. Congrats, Ruffing. Yeah, he's doing great. So yeah, it was a great Sunday and it was kind of fun watching Matsuyama pull it out. It got a little bit tight there at the end, but glad he was able to finish it. Yeah. At least I had at least one team in the Masters pool that was in it for long enough to be fun. I was in contention until mid-afternoon on Saturday, so that was fun, and then kind of fell out of it by Saturday afternoon and Sunday. Really, once we came back from the break, my hopes were kind of crushed. But like you said, it was a really fun time. We'll get into more of that later, but we're going to start off with a few Monday mailback questions. Yeah, so the first mailback question is from JoJo in Frisco, and it is Masters-related. He wants to know, if an average golfer called a 15 handicap played every hole at Augusta National same course conditions and pin placement as this past weekend, starting with the ball on the middle of the green. Could they shoot under par? <laughs> this is this is an interesting question because when I first heard it, I was like, yeah, that's a stupid question. Of course we could. But then when I think back to my golf games, one of the worst situations for me personally is when you stick me on a green, especially a hilly green, far away from the hole, the number of putts that it could possibly take me to get the ball in the hole is frightening. And with the conditions they had, and especially like you look at some of those holes, for example, hole 15 with how sloped that green is. You saw what happened to Shane Lowry on, I think it was Thursday, and then what could have happened to Jordan Spieth on Friday where they chipped the ball or possibly could have putted the ball off of the green into the water. Like I would do that on several of these holes. I think I would probably shoot in like the eighties probably from the green starting off. Oh, your average everyday golfer would be hitting off the green on the reg. I mean, one of my consistent themes and thoughts that I had all weekend is just being mind blown at how easily they two putt from like 50 or 60 feet. Yes. Like, they're, they're, the speed of their putts is incredible. Right. And, and to address this specific question, I mean, on the smaller greens, you might be looking at 15, 20 feet, I think, depending on the 
the placement of the pin and you could two putt that, you know, maybe three. So I guess you're looking at every hole as a par four. You just got a four putt to be par, (laughs) but like you, you would get some two or threes, but you'd also have some sixes or sevens or maybe (laughs) even tens on the holes that you like, if you have a 60 footer going downhill, you might putt it off the green into a bunker. Or you might just have to slow roll it so many times that you hit it eight times. And then you're in real trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it would be an absolute movie because, yeah, you'd have some holes where you put it back down into the fairway and then you got to get the, the wedge out and that just could be a nightmare. So I think the answer to the question for me is yes. And I, I think that an average 15 handicap golfer could maybe get around 60, 65, but they'd have to have a good day. It, it would not be easy by any stretch. It would not be easy. And, and you kind of mentioned it, but as good as these guys are at these lag putts and these two putts, a lot of these guys still had six or eight footers left for par after the first one like it was just it was really hard the setup was tough especially when the wind got going it was a difficult weekend i don't want to be a part of this situation that jojo is coming up with over here <laughs> no not at all and and you see some of the best golfers in the world miss four foot putts you you just realize how real it is out there like especially if it's if it's downhill even a little bit it's so fast that you just have to barely touch the ball mm-hmm. like you, you might as well just get down and like blow it miss me with that seriously all right you ready for uh some more masters talk or next monday mailback let's go to the next monday mailback question then we'll hop into full-on masters talk okay so this one is from michael ruskell he asked with the rumors that jeff bezos is interested in buying the los angeles chargers what celebrity would you want to buy your favorite team and why i love this question for multiple reasons i mean it's just you can go a lot of different ways with this but i kind of going along the same lines of jeff bezos Okay, you and might steal my pick. I hope I don't, but I probably will. Elon Musk? Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be, right? Yeah, okay, so, that's the obvious answer. Yeah, so number one criteria, and first of all, I'm thinking about the Braves when I think of this because this is way more fun when you have a team in a sport that does not have a salary cap. So the number one criteria for this is you want someone with unlimited funds so you can get all the players that you want. And the first person that comes to mind for me is Steve Cohen, how he came into the Mets this offseason. And now they can just get whoever the heck they want and they're going to be incredible. So I want the Braves to be able to get whoever they want with Elon Musk. Are you going to say something there? I was going to say, are the Mets going to be incredible? Yeah, dude. The Mets are going to be sick. <laughs> More on that later. Okay, fair, fair enough. But yeah, anyways, unlimited funds, number one. And then secondly, just like the innovativeness and kind of the weirdness of him would make them the most watchable team in all sports, right? Like he'd probably knock down Truist Park, even though it's brand new and build some crazy looking stadium. In a few years, we'd probably have a game on Mars every once in a while. Like that'd be kind of fun. I mean, they'd be probably giving like Bitcoin away to fans in the stadium during games and stuff. Like it'd be sick. There's lots of good, good reasons to have Elon Musk as your guy. Yeah. And, and I hate that he's the consensus answer here, but I just feel like it's the obvious yeah, one, right? He, he's the richest man in the world. He's very competitive, you know, wants to win. He'd be willing to spend in free agency, like you said. And then I kind of took the same answer you did is like, he likes to literally put things on the moon. Yeah. Like if he's he bought nuts. the, if he bought the Cowboys, what if he moved them from Dallas and they played their home games on the moon exactly the cowboys have kind of become known since they opened at&t stadium for not having that great of a home field advantage think about how much of an advantage you would have if you (laughs) played eight games a year on the moon yeah and no one else had even practiced there if we got to practice all summer on the moon and then a team has to come up there in one week and try to figure it out good luck yeah no shot eight no every year yeah dallas moon boys here we come (laughs) all right moving on a little masters talk now uh yeah like we said matsuyama the first japanese player to ever win a major kind of crushed it he just came on really strong after that rain delay on saturday i guess he benefited more than anyone else did from the slowing down of the greens i don't know why anyone else couldn't get it together but he just crushed it pulled ahead and never really looked back yeah it was interesting to me and i think this happens all the time but 
I don't really remember it as as clearly as I did in this one, is things changed in a hurry. Like everyone was kind of bunched up on the leaderboard. We got back from that little rain delay. And like you said, the course was different. The announcers were saying that repeatedly is how it was playing as if, as if it were a different course than before that rain delay. But he came back in, in a matter of 30 minutes, just went on a, what was it, six under par run in eight holes. And it was kind of over from there. So incredible performance by him, kind of anticlimactic yesterday. Wish it would have been a little bit closer. Wish we had a few more guys kind of in contention towards the end, even though we did have a couple of brief little periods where we thought someone might come into play. But yeah, incredible job by Hideki Matsuyama. Good for him. Yeah, and you saw the picture of him today at the, was it the Atlanta airport? Atlanta airport, yeah. He was, I think, flying to Chicago to then go back to Tokyo. But anyway, he's just sitting there alone, looking down at his phone. Looks just like an everyday regular dude, other than the fact that on the chair next to them, there's a green jacket draped over it. Pretty amazing. Man of the people. Yeah, so... I'm not, I'm kind of indifferent to Hideki Matsuyama and I was all weekend. I'm not for him. I'm not against him, whatever. He just, he kind of like, I don't know, not a big personality either way. Not someone you're necessarily rooting for or against. Right. But then today when I saw those pictures, so you saw the one of him sitting there. I saw one of him also walking down the hallway of the airport and he just has the green jacket just kind of over his arm, over his shoulder. He just, no, no coat hanger, no yeah. nothing. Like they'll give you a garment bag for your green jacket. He's just yeah. wearing like a hoodie and sweatpants with beats headphones and uh, the green jacket over his arm like that's just awesome i love that guy now yeah it just makes me wonder how intentional it is not putting it in his bag like did he want everyone to see it because i I wouldn't he didn't strike me as a guy who would want attention walking through the airport but nothing's going to grab attention in atlanta like walking with the literal green jacket from the masters that you just won but i think given his personality he strikes me now especially as just a he's a straight up normal guy who just happens to be good at golf like he just is a guy who loves his family and is good at golf and he doesn't really want attention i don't think it was for that reason i think it's just because he's just a chill dude yeah fair enough but in essence i I think this masters was about three guys one is matsuyama one is uh shoffley who kind of started to make things tight i think got within two strokes before 16 yesterday Uh, got within one didn't he did he pull okay so matsuyama i think bogeyed four straight holes and Shoffley birdied to pull within one mm-hmm. and then immediately he was teeing off on 16 and yeah just immediately put it in the drink yeah. hit it about probably five yards short of where he wanted to and bounced into the water I mean you, you he, I respect the fact that he was going for it and not trying to put it in the middle of the green he wasn't being conservative and he couldn't afford to be there but I just hate that he did that because it could have been such an exciting finish yeah for sure first triple bogey he's ever scored in major history in his career which is over a thousand holes so just really tough time to bust out your first triple bogey but he is still a stud. We've been picking him. One of us has been picking him for every single major tournament that's happened since we've been on this podcast. And even before that in the Masters Masters pools we've had in previous years, he's going to start winning really soon. He's too talented not to. You got to love that guy's game. He's just the kind of guy that makes it look effortless. And so one of these days, he's going to put it together and win a couple. He will. And he's an incredible golfer. Couldn't get it going at all early yesterday and then made the mistake late. But he'll be back in contention very soon. And then the third guy that this Masters was about, you're shaking in your head you know who it is will zalatoris he's my new favorite golfer hands down he's awesome i mean he became america's sweetheart this weekend the young and out of wake forest how old is he 22 23 24 okay mm-hmm. yeah his first major yeah first, first masters ma- obviously oh, not, not his first major first masters his first major he played in the u.s open and tied for sixth so he has two top six finishes in his two majors yeah it just comes to play in majors it, it's funny i think was it on friday where he really started coming on and i texted you and dad that he looked like the caddy from happy gilmore mm-hmm. and then later realized that i was like the millionth person to say yeah. that well, he had, <laughs> i, I he thought i was onto it. something there someone had said it a long time ago on twitter and he retweeted it on twitter like that's part of it too okay so it's a combination of a few things it's one he played incredible golf all weekend right like 
you watch this guy play and it didn't come off. I, th- I don't think to anybody, definitely not to me as a fluke. You watch him. He's just playing great golf. It's like, this guy is, is serious. He can play. Secondly, it's his background story. The fact that he has no status in any tour right now. A couple of years ago, he was like ranked below 2000th in the world, in the world rankings. And he's steadily climbed up. He only claimed a spot in the masters last week because he finished in the top 50 in the world now, but he still has no status on any tour. He's not, he doesn't have his PGA tour card yet. And, and also just the way he looks and the fact that he is kind of self-deprecating about it. Like he just seems like such a fun, like fun dude, pretty funny about himself, likes to make fun of himself, but also is a beast of a golfer. He's mashing the ball like 325 yards off the tee, despite the fact that he weighs like a buck 40. Like I just love that guy. Yeah. He's awesome. And he, he doesn't just hit those, his drives far. You said like 325, 330, but they're down the middle of the fairway every freaking time. Yeah. And they're also a mile in the air. Like it's just moonshots every single time. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And I actually didn't hear them mention this on the broadcast, but I think Baird said that they said he had as a 28 inch waist, kind of a funny thing to bring up, but that's, that's tiny. Yeah, it's he's a, like the skinniest dude in the world. Yeah. He's, he's a little dude, but he's awesome. <laughs> I love him. Yeah. He just absolutely pipes the ball, but back to the happy Gilmore thing. I love how much everyone embraced it. We were laughing yesterday about, uh, yesterday about how Adam Sandler tweeted out, <laughs> Mr. Gilmore is very proud yep. of you. And then today the, the shooter McGavin Twitter account responded yeah. to Adam Sandler. It said something like, uh, he would have won if you didn't choke him and call him a dipshit. Go back to your shanty. <laughs> Just, I love it. Yeah, and he's owned it too. I, I sent you and dad a picture of his 60 degree wedge. He has engraved on the back of it. It says, Mr. Gilmore, I'm your caddy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's awesome. He, he deserves everything that's coming his way. I hope he sticks around. But the second place at this Masters earned him $1.2 million. So that's a life changer for old buddy. Yeah, for a lot of these guys, I mean, that's a lot of money for anybody, but for a lot of them, it doesn't make a difference because they already have millions of dollars and kind of everything they need in life. For this guy, he's just up and coming. Like this is, like you said, his life has changed in the last four days for the better. And I'm happy for him. Going to be rooting for him in the future. I'm with you on that, but that's about all we got for the Masters. Let's move on to some NFL talk. All right. So the biggest news that's happened in the NFL in the past week is the Sam Darnold trade getting traded from the New York Jets to the Carolina Panthers for a second, fourth and sixth round pick. I believe the second round pick is next year. And I think the fourth and sixth of this year. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah. The second is next year is all I really yeah. know. I don't care about the fourth yeah, and the second, sixth. fourth and sixth, whatever. So just curious, what are your thoughts on this trade for both sides? So it's interesting because I saw reactions to this that were just all over the place. The Jets didn't get enough. The Jets gave up too much. I mean, I actually like their return for the Jets. They're rebooting the franchise. It seems like all signals are pointing towards them taking Zach Wilson at number two. They've got their new head coach and Robert Solomon there. It's just a new era. They needed to get rid of Sam Darnold regardless. And I just think this was the market price for him. And it being the Panthers, that second round pick in 2022, I mean, that could be a top 40 pick and that, that could turn out to be a super solid player. So I don't know. I, I like the return that the Jets got. I honestly don't like it for the Panthers. I would have been way more excited for them if they were able to just trade up to like the fourth or fifth pick and get Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, one of those guys. I just, I think that they're a young team, not ready to contend yet. And I understand that Sam Darnold's still only 23 years old, but is it worth asking the question, like, what if Sam Darnold's just not any good? Well, we could not be more different on this. I'm so opposite (laughs) of this and I'm on record saying this in the past. I'm a Sam Darnold believer. I think okay. Sam Donald's good. He's been coached by Adam Gase the last two years, first of all. Yep. Second of all, he's had a bunch of complete bums in the offensive line. He's been handing the ball to, to 88-year-old Frank Gore. He's had actually some decent receivers, but they've been banged up. I'm I've, I'm a big Jamison Crowder fan. I think Denzel Mims is going to be a good player, but they were hurt all last year. He's had the worst situation of any quarterback in the NFL in the last two years. He's still younger than Joe Burrow. I think he's got a lot of talent. I think it's just way too early to give up on him. 
And so for that reason, I love it for the Panthers. I think with all what these other teams are giving up for their possible franchise quarterback, giving up a second, fourth, and sixth round pick is well worth the risk. Even if he ends up being a bust, it's worth the possibility of him being their franchise quarterback. And so I'm all about this for the Panthers. I think it's a great move. I think going from Adam Gase to Joe Brady is going to be a huge upgrade. Having CMC out of the backfield and Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore to throw the ball to, like that is just such a huge personal personnel upgrade around him. I love this for the Panthers. And I'm just going to go ahead and say the Panthers make the playoffs next year. Wow, that is a bold prediction. So I, I'm with you on the fact that I love Joe Brady and I love Matt Rule. I just, I generally like that coaching staff and I like the direction that the franchise is headed. But I'm just, I'm not sold on Darnold. I'm going to throw two stats out at you real quick. Okay. So going back to USC, he started in 17 games and he had 22 interceptions and 20 fumbles. So I just, he didn't produce all that well at USC. He turned the ball over way too much. He was kind of drafted so highly based on potential, and it didn't pan out. And And I, I admit that he had no chance with the Jets. Like, he had a horrible setup considering his offensive line, his coaching staff with Adam Gase. You saw what happened with Ryan Tannehill, who absolutely blew up after he got out of uh, Adam Gase's shadow back with the Dolphins and went to the Titans. So it certainly could happen, especially under Joe Brady, but I just don't see it. And and one more stat I want to throw out at you is that last year, out of 35 qualifying quarterbacks, Sam Darnold ranked dead last, 35th, when throwing out of a clean pocket. So even when he does get good protection, he still hasn't been any good. And I understand he, he doesn't have good receivers to throw to, but I'm just not sold on him. I, I would have really liked to see the Panthers go after one of these uh, rookies in this draft. That's fair. We need to come up with some sort of Sam Darnold related bet before the season starts. We've got some time, but we can come up with some sort of bet, whether it's on the Panthers or him personally, statistically, we'll come up with something and, and go for it. But I'm on record, Sam Darnold guy. You are not. We'll see how it goes. We will. And one last thing I want to say, I, I, I do like your point that if anyone can turn him around, it's Joe Brady. But I think that if Joe Brady does turn him around, he's going to become a head coach <laughs> like what what more do you need to see from joe brady than fixing sam darnold he's not that big of a reclamation project he's gonna be good man i think he's a huge reclamation project he's never been good he hasn't All been right. good since well, high school well we've already we've already agreed to disagree so so let's see what happens we'll just roll with it i don't want to agree to agree to disagree <laughs> i want to disagree uh, okay i don't know where i'm going draft. all right so <laughs> moving the, along moving along to the nfl draft i think that quarterbacks are going in the top three we've pretty much established that it's going to be trevor lawrence to the jags at one zach wilson to the jets at two whether the niners are taking mac jones or not they're going quarterback at three so the draft at this point really starts with the falcons at four there seems to be a little bit of disagreement here there are rumors that head coach arthur smith thinks matt ryan's got a good few years left wants to roll with him new gm terry fontenot wants to go with the quarterback and really likes trey lance apparently so we'll see what they do there but either way it sounds like they're open to trading down and the potential suitors are the broncos at nine the patriots at 15 washington at 19 or maybe even the bears at 20 if they're not sold on andy dalton being the franchise quarterback of the future so what do you think what do you think the falcons should do and what do you think they will do you laughing at andy dalton yes is anybody sold that andy dalton is the franchise future of any or the quarterback what am i saying the franchise quarterback of any team like he's just not gonna be yeah that that was a joke of a question you know who who could have been their franchise quarterback of the future but they not not Gardner Minshew. Dude, how, why would they not, not trade for Minshew? It's not Gardner Minshew. Minshew. He's you, not the answer. Did you see that picture? Shut up. I sent you that picture. 
but did you see it? <laughs> I saw it. Dude, the, the mullet is next level at this point. He's killing it. The, the mullet with the jacket with no shirt underneath and the chain. I mean, I'm not going to lie. He looks elite, but he doesn't play that way. So I'm out. I wish he could get a starting job. I would love to put some kind of bet on Gardner Minshew over Sam Darnold. Yeah, you probably think he's better than Sam Darnold. I do. Which is absolutely absurd. Sam Darnold's a certified bum. Right. Okay, back to the question about the five, Falcons. What do, you, what do you think the Falcons should do and what will they do? What I think the Falcons should do is before they hire a GM and a coach, make sure they agree on the future of the franchise. <laughs> That's what they should do. Right. And those are those are just rumors. I mean, who knows how Arthur Blank feels? Who knows how Samuel L. Jackson feels? We'll, <laughs> we'll see what direction they go. But what do you think they should do? Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I just want to touch on that one more time. Like the The one question you need to ask the GM and the coach before you hire them and put them together is what they think about the quarterback for the next few years, whether they want to move on to a new guy or keep Matt Ryan. I'm with the, you there. The fact that they could already disagree before the draft happens is absurd. So I do think, <laughs> I do think that teams who decide that they're good at quarterback for this draft are going to really benefit because the kind of the, the trickle down effect from all these quarterbacks going really high up in the draft is that a lot of really good players are going to be down towards the bottom half of this top 10. Like these like six through 10 guys are guys that could be top five picks in any other year where a quarterback isn't so heavy at the top. So I think the Falcons could get a great player if they traded down a little bit, but I think it's just time to blow it up and move on. I really think they just need to let go of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones for whatever they can get, get rid of their salaries, get a quarterback, probably Justin Fields, and then start from scratch. That's that's what I think they've got to do. Yes, I totally agree with that. And I would have said the same thing last offseason and maybe even the one before too. But I, I just really think that they could price gouge like the Bears or the Colts before they had traded for Wentz or the Washington football team and just get a lot for Matty Ice, mm-hmm. at least a first rounder, I would think. But they're they're not going to do it. I, th- I think that they are going to go with Matt Ryan for a couple more years, especially after they restructured his contract. So what I predict ends up happening is I think that the Broncos trade up from nine to four to go get Justin Fields or Trey Lance. And then the Falcons are still in great shape at number nine. Yeah, Falcons can get a monster number nine. Yeah, I think that they get at least one first round pick and maybe another first moving from four to nine. So I think that's a great deal for them. They can go with one of the offensive tackles, Penny Sewell or Sean Slater to shore up that O-line for Matt Ryan and the quarterback of the future. Or they could go with somebody like Kyle Pitts, generational tight end, or they could load up on defense because they desperately need defense as well. So I don't know. I, I just think that they hold some really good cards right now with that number four pick and anxious to see what they do. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of these teams, whoever, like I said, whoever decides they're good at quarterback and trades down, this like, I don't know, five to 15 pick range is going to be loaded with a lot of really good players. we got a few really good offensive tackles, and especially, we've talked about this before, especially pass catchers between Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell. Like those guys are game changers, difference makers, catching the ball. Those guys are going to be fun to watch, and I'm really, really interested to see where they go, especially Kyle Pitts, because there's been a lot of talk about him recently going super high to a few different teams, so really want to see where he goes. Yeah, people are talking about him maybe to the Falcons at four. Apparently, they really like him. The Bengals at five, that would be kind of sick. Yeah, just keep on hearing about GMs being like the word that I keep on hearing is enamored with him. 
Right. Yeah. The the headline about Jerry Jones exactly. is that he was infatuated with him. I, mm-hmm. I really hope we don't take him. But anyway, I, I think he's certainly going top ten. Yes. Oh, hundred percent. He's going top ten. It's going to be interesting to see whether Jamar Chase or Devonte Smith goes first out of the receiving group. I keep on seeing Jamar Chase. I don't know. If you've seen. I guess kind of his size is what's the biggest difference maker there but both of those guys are awesome and then Jalen Waddle being the fourth best pass catcher in the draft that's pretty ridiculous because he is a beast yeah he is and I saw a funny kind of conversation on Twitter earlier this week about how Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver prospect in the draft since Julio Jones it's like Julio didn't even go first at wide receiver in his draft AJ Green did yeah yeah, so I was like, that was kind of a stupid point. But <laughs> anyway, all right, well, moving on from NFL draft talk to NFL news, Julian Edelman retired today. He did. And what a career he had. I mean, he's not like a Hall of Fame caliber player, but considering what he came from as far as having no scholarship offers whatsoever out of high school, ended up walking on and becoming a quarterback at Kent State, then getting drafted in the seventh round to an eventual, what do you have, like, 6,000 something yards in the NFL, a few Super Bowls and a Super Bowl MVP. Like what a great career for that guy. Happy for Julian Edelman. Happy for him. Um, people are debating on Hall of, or, uh, Hall of Fame on Twitter whether or not he'll make it. I don't think he will, honestly. Mm-mm. But anyway, it, it was a great career. Good to see him hang, hang him up. And I look forward to seeing his career continue around week nine or 10 after he rehabs and signs with the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, he's good. He's definitely going to end up on the Bucks next oh, year. 100%. Yeah, Antonio Brown's going to get arrested and he's going to replace him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's very, very possible. Yeah, that's my That's my strong prediction. So that was big news in the NFL. Stupid news in the NFL today. Kevin James is going to play Sean Payton in a movie called Home Game or something about when Sean Payton was suspended by the league so he coached his son's sixth grade football team. I didn't even know that happened. So I, when I saw this headline, I thought it was a joke, which I think most people did for a few minutes. Like it, I thought it had something to do with Bounty Gate, right? So I mean, it does, but is it is it mostly tackling the fact that he was coaching a sixth grade team or mostly the fact that he got in trouble for Bounty Gate? I would assume it's going to be focused on just a lighthearted movie where Paul Blart, head coach, is coaching a sixth grade football team and bringing like very complex NFL concepts. So it's kind of funny. Okay, praise God, because I thought it was going to be (laughs) was going to be this like dark movie about about Paul Blart getting suspended for trying to take quarterbacks heads off. I was like, those do not fit at all. That would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, because all I can think about when I think of Kevin James is one, him riding around on a, on a whatever scooter in the mall, and two, doing his little Q-tip in the ear dance and hitch. Like, I can't <laughs> possibly take him seriously in any any real role. Yeah, and I would assume Sean Payton's making a good bit of money off of this, but he's probably pretty pissed off at the casting, right? It's like, dude, really? Kevin yeah, James? Yeah, better than that. Yikes. <laughs> all right, who would you cast? Idris um, Elba? The little kid from Jingle All the Way. <laughs> I I just always thought Sean Payton looked exactly like him. Give it a Google. Really? I'm going to Google it right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I Googled it earlier today, actually, when I saw this headline, and the kid looks incredibly creepy today. So don't look at that picture, but the actual kid in the movie <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> looks like Sean Payton. All right. <laughs> he, he Arnold does, Schwarzenegger in he, Sinbad? He does look like, look like him, although... When I go to Google Images, it comes up with this picture for today, and now I'm, I'm frightened. I'm going to have nightmares about that. Right, but that kid put a Saints visor on him. That's that is Sean, Sean Payton. Payton. Yep, that, it really is. You're <laughs> not lying. Yeah, I, I guess I'd have to put in a little bit of time for a serious answer. I mean, that that looks exactly <laughs> like him. <laughs> that is Sean Payton. Yeah. That's anyway. awesome. All right, so from one movie to the next, the other big movie news that came out this week, since we're a movie podcast now, Space Jam 2, 2 trailer, what did you think? 
I thought it was okay. I, I liked certain aspects of it. I liked the Dame Lillard character. He looked pretty cool. But I don't know. I, I just love the original Space Jam. And I love just the way that they did it and how like kind of old school it looks. I just, I worry that the new one's going to be a little bit too new school for me. A little bit too much horsepower with all the graphics and stuff. You know what I'm saying? I feel that. It looks very, very CGI driven. It's going to be one of those things. I'm going to have to watch it just purely based off nostalgia. And I think I'm probably going to enjoy it. But I already agree it will never live up to the original Space Jam. It just can't. It can. When, when does it come out? It comes out in July. Okay. I mean, I'll probably see it on day one. Yeah. Or I won't, and then people will tell me it's bad, and then I'll never see it. That's what happens with almost every movie that I want to see. Everyone. Every yeah. single one. Yeah. Like the last one, the Denzel one with Rami Malek and, and Jared Leto. Yep. Little things. I was excited for that for like six months, and then it came out. Someone told me it sucked. Haven't seen it. Yep. Since then. Never, yeah. never will. Nope. Never will. That's the end of that. All right. Well, hopefully we see Space Jam. Hopefully we get to that point. Yes. Well, that's a good transition from movies to basketball. Now to some NBA basketball, but it's also kind of baseball because the news is that A-Rod in conjunction with millionaire Mark Lohr is buying the Minnesota Timberwolves for $1.5 billion. Yeah, that's interesting. They suck. Yeah, they suck. And I feel like it's a panic move from A-Rod because he was really trying to buy the Mets and lost out to Steve Cohen. So he was like, oh, well, I might as well buy the worst team in a stupid city in, you know, a different sport, I guess. Yeah, and didn't he break up with J-Lo or something happened there? Yeah, so I think that he's he's kind of down bad right now. He's trying just to rebound. Freaking out. Yeah, like I'm happy that he can make a $1.5 billion purchase. I, I know that he's, you know, the minority equity in this, but I just, I don't think that's a good buy. I would have held out for a different team. Yeah, I, yeah, A-Rod in Minnesota for the T-Wolves, that just, nothing about that seems to fit very well. Maybe he'll supply the entire team with steroids and they'll be good. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I mean, small market teams in the NBA, you just can't win unless you just hit insane draft picks three years in a row like the Thunder did back in the day. Well, and the T-Wolves, oddly enough, had the top draft picks like several years in a row or or a good number of years, like in a five-year period, they had like, what, three first round or three number one overall picks and they blew them. And so now they still stink. So yeah, they're pretty screwed forever, but we'll see how it happens. We'll see how it works. Screwed forever. Bad place to be. (laughs) And then another weird detail I saw about this is that current owner Glenn Taylor will hold control for two more years and then A-Rod and Mark Lore will take over in 2023. Never heard of such a thing. I've never heard of such a thing. And I I was thinking about it like, that kind of sucks. Like what if Glenn Taylor like drives them into the ground the next two years before they take over, but they're already so far into the ground it doesn't really matter right like it can't get worse for the purchaser i'd like to know about the details of that because that doesn't seem to make sense no we'll 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 look more into it we will i do have some other nba news that i want to talk about point zion have you seen this so i saw it a couple weeks ago when they let him run point kind of down the stretch in the fourth quarter and he killed it but i haven't seen much more since then so then lonzo was hurt with some sort of i don't know shoulder thing maybe and so they've been starting him and playing him pretty much the entire game at point and he is not only it's not just because of the point guard thing, it's also just because he's coming into his own, but he is tearing the league to shreds right now. We are officially in the Zion breakout. He is like on the verge right now of being the next ultra mega superstar in the NBA. Like I'm talking top five player like next year. So I love that because I love Zion. He's incredibly entertaining and I like watching the guy. And I hope that this continues and carries on in 
to next year and they're successful with it because honestly the Pelicans have kind of pissed me off this year. Yes. With how good Zion is and how good Brandon Ingram is, why are they not better? I don't get it. I, I agree with you. It makes no sense because Brandon Ingram's like all-star caliber type player too and Zion's a stud. As much as I don't like the Ball Brothers, like Lonzo actually puts up pretty good numbers too. I just don't know why they're not better. I'm with you. Well, Lonzo plays incredible defense and now that he learned to shoot the three, he's actually a pretty solid player and the rumors are that he's going to command more than $20 million a year in free agency. So, wow. yeah, I, I mean, I just don't get why they're not better. But like you said, Zion, he's on the upswing. Brandon Ingram's still so young too and he's getting better. So oh, yeah. they've got a bright future. They did well in that AD trade and then that draft where they got Zion, obviously. Yeah, so last night, Zion went th- had 38 points on 16 for 22 from the field. And then the game before that, which was on Friday night, he went 37, 15 and eight. Monster. Yeah, that's good to quite good. Yeah, that's that's sick. And he is currently, what, 21 years old, 20 years old? Like he's just about to be unstoppable for a long time. And I love it because he's just so different than anybody else we have. It's the same thing we saw at Duke. It's the same thing he is right now. Like he's just, he's unlike anybody else we have. He doesn't, he's not shooting any threes. He shot, let's see, two threes in the last six games or five games. Like he's not shooting threes at all. He just does things that are different than everybody else. He's just a an athletic freak like no other and it's so fun to watch i love this guy yeah and what i love most about zion is the reason he's so good is because he's incredibly efficient like his efficiency at duke carried over to the nba like you'll look at a box score and he just shoots 11 for 15 his Mm -hmm. field goal percentage and efficiency is just incredible but when you hear the word efficiency for a player you think of someone like tim duncan or someone boring but he's efficient while also so entertaining like he'll just throw a shot 15 rows into the stands and then go down and have a hammer dunk on the other end and he's just he's just a joy to watch i actually saw a stat about this recently and i want to know if i can pull it up uh just to have some some context but zion is currently on pace if he if he keeps up his current efficiency he would finish as the highest field goal per, highest field goal percentage shooter in nba history for somebody averaging more than 15 attempts per game so he's like 62% from the field, which is absurd. And it's other guys like Shaq and a bunch of guys who dunk the ball a bunch who are like two, three, four. But anyways, he would be have the highest field goal percentage in a single season in NBA history for someone averaging more than 15 attempts per game at this rate. It's pretty crazy. And he's, he's just going to get more dangerous if he becomes more of this point forward and he's going to get better at shooting the three, get better at defense. I mean, guys, all he's made out to be. Yeah, he is awesome. I love that. Love it. Well, that's about all we have for NBA. So I want to move on to Major League Baseball. And it's funny because we're like seven, eight, nine games into the season and we skipped our uh, episode last week. So we haven't talked a whole lot about baseball. We have not. What's your takeaway from the season so far? Well, I don't really care at all about standings this early in the year because the MLB season is just so long. Like, I mean, we've already seen it a couple of times. Like the, the Braves, for example, started off 0-4 and then ran a four in a row to bring it back to 500. The Red Sox lost their first three games and have now won six in a row to go six and three and take the lead in AL East. But like, it's just such a long season. doesn't matter. What stands out to me is just how guys look and seeing some individual performances. Have you seen what Shohei Otani's done so far? Yeah, it's amazing. That that one inning, the historic yeah. inning he had, yep. Yeah, so Shohei Otani is back from Tommy John. He's back to being a starting pitcher again. First of all, he became the first American League pitcher since the beginning of the DH to hit a home run in the same game, same game he started as the pitcher, which is incredible. And also, so far this season, he has both the fastest pitch by a starting pitcher this year at 100.2 miles per hour and the fastest home run by any position player at 115.2 miles an hour. That's just like, that is insane. Like we have never seen something like this in our lifetimes and it's so much fun to watch. 
Yeah, he he's amazing. Like that inning where, like you said, he threw a hundred one mile an hour fastball and hit a moonshot is incredible. Yep. And I saw somebody post on social media like a video where it's basically an overlay of him throwing that hundred one mile an hour pitch and then him also hitting the home run on that same pitch. That's sick. And it's just funny in this world of NFTs that we're apparently moving into. Someone turns that into an NFT that's going to sell for like two hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> Hideki Matsuyama is going to buy it with all of his winnings, dude. He might. He might <laughs> just trade the green jacket for that yeah that seems fair straight up it's lit no trade backs <laughs> yeah well i guess on the history of the season so far joe musgrove local kid out of san diego threw the first no hitter for the padres in their franchise history that was kind of cool it was against the rangers sorry dad yeah well it's really cool because he's a local guy there was some story about like didn't he get a tattoo of the padres logo when he was like young and he hadn't played for the Padres or anything. He had no affiliation with them other than being a fan. He ends up on their team and then throws their first no-hitter. Like, pretty cool story. I didn't know the details of the tat, but that's that's pretty sick. Happy for the guy. Yeah, good for Joe Musgrove. And then a guy that I've been on the same on this bandwagon for for a long, long time, as you know from our fantasy baseball days, is Byron Buxton. I've thought for a long time he was super talented. He could never put it together, whether it was just because he was striking out too much or because he was always injured or whatever. But so far this season, I know it's young, but he is looking like a monster. I think he's batting 41 so far this year. His OPS is like 1,700. It's just something completely absurd. So I'm really hoping he can put it all together this year, despite the fact that he's kind of been at least on the radar for Major League Baseball fans for a long time. He's still only 27 years old, so has plenty of time to kind of enter his prime and take off. So really looking forward to seeing what Byron Buxton can do. I'm with you. He's a really exciting young player, number one overall pick back in the day. So he he's on the upswing still. How old do you say he is? 27. 27, yeah. He's from I Georgia, mean, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't remember where. Somewhere in Northeast. Like Baxley, I think. I don't know why I, I have that in my head. I think it's Baxley, Georgia. No, Buxton. Well, another guy who's off to a hot start this year, hometown guy, my guy, who I took number one overall in fantasy this year, Ronald Acuna. Ronnie. Threw nine games, hitting 444 with four bombs and two steals. We'll take that all day. He barely missed out on 40-40 a couple years ago. He could go like 45-32 this year, something like that. I mean, he's sick. He's very, very good. And while we're on the topic of the Braves, I've got to bring it up last night. We got screwed. And I want to know what your thoughts are on replay Major League Baseball. This is one of those like hot take things that all the players and, and managers say after a game that this happens. So like you have a bad call, they review it, they keep the bad call. And everyone's like, well, what, what do we have replay for? Because if it's not going to change anything, it just slows the game down. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, the point of replay in all sports is if you're going to overturn a call, it has to be what they call conclusive evidence. In my opinion, there was conclusive evidence from a couple different angles in last night's call, so I thought they should have overturned it. And, you know, not just the broadcasters and Braves fans last night, national media like Buster Olney started piling on today saying, like, this has to change. They need to apologize for this. But the most interesting take that I saw that I kind of agree with is that, well, I guess rewinding for a second. So you know how when baseball has replays, it's not really the actual umpires at the game who are watching on video and make the call. It's like a crew in New York. Mm -hmm. And the take that I saw that I agreed with was that the crew in New York should not have access to the original call on the field. And I know that that's hard to do because the umpire is literally in the shot calling him out or calling him safe. But I think that that's a good way to go about it. Because then you're just more unbiased towards the play. Like, I don't know how you could have seen that play for the first time last night 
and from all angles and called him safe. Yeah, I agree with that. It's a, it's a fair point. I think the only argument against that is they're trying to determine whether there's conclusive evidence to overturn the call. You know, it's like it gets into semantics a little bit. But yeah, I think that's probably a good idea if it's possible at all to get the call out of the shot because that way they're more more unbiased. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, the biggest point to make in all of this is that baseball is too slow. They have too many breaks. They've been trying for years to slow it down. So if you're going to slow it down further for replay, you've got to get it right. And they didn't last night. I'm with you. So that sucks. But luckily, like we said, long season, I have a lot of time to recover. Right. And last thing that I want to touch on on baseball is circling back to the Mets that we were talking about earlier when you said because of Steve Cohen, they're going to be incredible and they certainly could be. But have you seen what Jacob deGrom has done so far this year? Dude, Jake, this is, okay, I saw a tweet, I, I don't even know what stats you're about to bust out, but I saw a tweet, and I know where you're going, to three things that are sure in life, death, taxes, and the Mets giving Jacob deGrom no run support. Right. For sure. Yeah, but it, it, it's awesome, because this season has started exactly how it normally does, even though they added Lindor and are supposed to be really good this year, but you do you know his stats so far? Uh, I think he has like a .64 ERA or something like that, right? Yeah, and his whip is right around there too, but anyway, so through two starts, he's given up one run across 14 innings while striking out. 21 guys and his record is 0-1. That is just crazy. It's just insane. And I saw something, I think it was on Twitter, that was like, Jacob deGrom is so good that when he pitches, he shuts down two offenses. I was like, I like that. That is really good. good. That is really good. When Jacob deGrom's on the hill, he there are 18 guys that day that are not gonna hit. Yes. That's exactly. the, that's the bottom line. And then I the last thing the last stat I saw on this is that in his two starts so far, he has more hits than any other Mets player. I think he has three hits so wow, far this year. No yeah. way. Yeah. So this is another reason and people are coming around to this, thank God. But this is another reason why for the purposes of Cy Young Awards and for Hall of Fame inductions win and loss record should be very low on the list of things that are considered just because it doesn't matter. It is not indicative at all of how well a pitcher performs. It's strictly about their offense. So I don't like that at all. Luckily, people are learning that and it's less about that these days, but wins and losses, terrible indicator of a pitcher's performance. Yeah. And like we made the switch in fantasy baseball a few years ago from wins to quality starts, I think quality starts should be more of a stat that people talk about in real life Mm -hmm. because yeah, wins for a pitcher mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. It's It's very, very reliant on outside factors. Yes. Glad we agree on that. Done. End on agreement. After the Sam Darnold controversy, I'm glad we can end on on an agreeable note. Yes. We are going to circle back on a bet relating to Sam Darnold because Darnold is a bum. Gardner Minshew sucks, but that's going to be it for today's episode. I think that's about all we got. Don't forget to follow us on Apple and Spotify. Leave us some ratings and reviews. Tune in next week. We'll catch you on next Monday. Have a good day. <laughs>